please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As we continue along our Lenten journey, today we have a tale of two thirsts. Well, actually, we have two tales of thirst. What is thirst? Maybe thirst is an image for our need. Maybe thirst is about where we are empty. Maybe thirst is our desire. In one of her more enigmatic poems, Emily Dickinson wrote, Water is taught by thirst. What are you thirsty for? The poet Ben Jonson wrote in his song to Celia, Drink to me only with thine eyes, or leave a kiss but in the cup, and I'll not look for wine. Here, a kiss satisfies the thirst that might otherwise look to be satisfied by wine. Going back much farther, back to a time that overlapped with the historical life of Jesus of Nazareth, we find the Roman poet Ovid. In one section of his epic poem, Metamorphoses, he tells the story of Narcissus. There was a pool, limpid and silvery, whither no shepherd came nor any herd, nor mountain goat, and never bird nor beast nor falling branch disturbed its shining peace. Grass grew around it, by the water fed, and trees to shield it from the warming sun. Here, for the chase and heat had wearied him, the boy lay down, charmed by the quiet pool. And while he slaked his thirst, another thirst grew. It goes on. As he drank, he saw before his eyes a form, a face, and loved with leaping heart a hope unreal and thought the shape was real. Himself he longs for, longs unwittingly, praising is praised, desiring is desired, and love he kindles while with love he burns. Thirst is a rich metaphor. And by talking about not only water, but living water, Jesus invites us to explore the metaphor. It is common to say we thirst for knowledge, in the Beatitudes, those blessed are statements that Jesus makes, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Thirst may be our need, our emptiness, our longing, our desire. We may thirst for understanding, purpose, for hope, for healing. What are you thirsty for? The Israelites were journeying through the wilderness. This was a very long journey. And when we meet the Israelites in today's reading, we have to wonder who they are. Are these the covenant people of God, called into freedom, out of slavery? 
Janis Joplin saying, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. And we have to wonder if something of this sentiment has gotten into the minds or the hearts of the Israelites here. Today is not the first time we find them fearful and complaining. Soon after the Israelites set out from Egypt, beginning this grand move from slavery into freedom, the Egyptians have another change of heart and pursue the Israelites. The Israelites look back and see Pharaoh and the Egyptian soldiers in hot pursuit. And the people say to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? They do not die, of course. They continue on the journey and travel three days without finding water. The first water they come to is bitter, not fit to drink. And the people complain, and again they look to Moses. What will we drink, they ask. And God helps make the bitter water sweet or fit to drink. Later the Israelites get hungry and they complain again. If only we had died in Egypt where we sat by the flesh pots and had our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And again, they do not die. God provides manna, that bread from heaven. Then we come to today's reading, and we find the Israelites thirsty again. Give us water to drink, they say, looking again to Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us with thirst? They ask, is God among us or not? So Moses strikes a rock, and water comes out. The story continues on, and the fearful people see the thunder and lightning that go along with the commandments being communicated to Moses. And the people say, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, or we will die. They are fearful of a direct encounter with God. And what comes after that? Laws and rules. Pages and pages of laws and rules. Pages of specific instructions for how to build the temple and exactly how to follow all the religious practices, how they should be carried out. Ten chapters of rules and instructions. It's as if that that wide open space, that freedom after slavery in Egypt, as if that wide open space closes down from freedom and wilderness journey to rules and regulations. Think of all the complaints from the people. Freedom, they seem today to say, it feels more like danger. Perhaps they sang, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Who are these people? Are these the covenant people of God called into freedom out of slavery? Or are these a people enslaved by fear? Fear of how big or empty that freedom might be. Jesus is also on a journey when he gets thirsty. He's traveling from Judea to Galilee by way of Samaria. Our scripture says, Jesus, tired out from his journey, was sitting by the well. Sometimes the journey does make us tired us, and even Jesus. So he sits, takes a load off. It's the heat of the day, about noon, a good time to take a break. 
Then a Samaritan woman comes to the well, and Jesus says to her, Give me a drink. As the passage goes on, we'll find some of that abstract and confusing language that is so characteristic of John's gospel. But here, we have Jesus as very human. He's thirsty, asking a woman for a drink of water. Because, as she points out to him, Jesus does not have a bucket. So here is the Christ, not only giving, but receiving. Over and over, the Gospels tell us of the various needs Jesus Christ can meet for healing, for hope, for food. But here, Jesus expresses his own need. He's thirsty, he asks for a drink. Is it possible that even in the relationship between Christ and believer, there is room for mutuality, room for giving and receiving? That even in the relationship between Christ and ourselves, we find a two-way street. We meet Jesus Christ in today's reading as a traveler along the way, as much a traveler on the journey as we ourselves are travelers on our own journeys. Jesus and the Samaritan woman continue in conversation. It's very relational, these two, the back and forth. The woman finds it odd for Jesus to be asking her for a drink of water. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus seems to change the subject, and he makes things confusing. He doesn't answer her question. He says, If you knew the gift of God... And who I am, you would ask me for living water, and I would give it. This is where the woman points out that he has no bucket. So Jesus goes on to clarify that he is making a distinction between well water and living water. And here's what Jesus says about that water. You are looking outside yourself to quench that thirst, Looking for Moses to strike a rock, perhaps? You don't need to. That living water is in you. Here's how the gospel says it in Jesus' words to the woman at the well. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. In them. That living water is in you. God is the source This living water comes from God. But the water that comes from this source is right inside you. That living water, that life and love that come from God, it is in you. And it cascades up. That living water floods and surges until it reaches eternity. Christ offers living water. And we drink. We take it in. And then the source is within us, given by God, this gift of God, to use that phrase Jesus uses speaking to the woman. What a gift, then, is our thirst. Our thirst becomes an invitation to drink, to drink that which becomes within us an unending source. The encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well is so personal, so human, Jesus asks for a drink of water. They engage in conversation. And through our own encounters with God, we are sustained. And we are invited to become life-sustaining 
from within. Maybe this is what it looks like to be God's covenant people, delivered from slavery into freedom. We find that God's own life and love flow within us. We find the freedom to search, to ask questions, to build relationships, as that woman did on this day. Because we are the covenant people of God, called into freedom and out of slavery. What are you thirsty for? We are thirsty, and we can complain about that. We can become fearful, but we can also reach out to the one who is the source of living water, the source of life and of love. We can reach out for that relationship. We can ask our questions and have an open mind and search for understanding like that woman did. Because when we do, we will find ourselves in an encounter with the source of living water, the source of life and love, just as surely as that Samaritan woman did. Maybe this is what we thirst for most, an earnest encounter with the living God. And when we enter into that encounter, God places within us God's own source of living water, God's own source of life and love. And when we enter into an encounter with God, God shows us it is there because we don't know it. Jesus said, the water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. It is in you. The answer to your deepest thirst? It is in you, placed there by God's own self. What a gift is our thirst. Our thirst is an invitation to seek God. May you open yourselves to an encounter with the living God. Bring your questions and your searching and your conversation because God meets you with the source of living water that quenches our deepest thirst. Amen.